Welcome to the Verite Podcast. My name is Sheena Souza, and I am honored to share my truth with you. The truth as I know it, what I have discovered and am discovering along this journey of life. Some will be universal truths, and some will be entirely subjective. But my hope is that as you listen to this, you will discover your own truths as we are all living and loving and learning together. Welcome back to the Verite Podcast. This is part two of short-term service trips. And in the first episode, my husband and I discussed some some do's and don'ts, but mostly don'ts. Mostly don'ts. Mostly don'ts of, of what we've observed over the years in, in hosting and working with short-term teams that come down when we uh, live in Haiti. But my husband wanted to kind of do a part two to share with you guys the do's, the things that that we believe are beneficial. So, yeah. Mr. Tassouza, you want to take it away? Sure. Um, so I, I realized after we listened back to the that last episode that it was a lot of don't do this, don't do that, um, but not necessarily a lot of helpful suggestions on on how to actually have a a productive. Uh, time and trip because I believe that can be done. Mm-hmm. Uh, there, there is value in short-term trips and I know we covered that a little bit, but didn't necessarily give some thoughts or suggestions on how to uh, add that value in, in those trips. So the, the main thing, and, and I talked about this a little bit of, you know, you're going more so for you, not in a selfish way, but to expose yourself to the things that are going on in other parts of the world, expose yourself to culture and so as a part of that, I think it's very important for anybody who is going into another country to familiarize yourself uh, with the culture and the customs, <clears throat> excuse me, a little bit, not just before, but while you're there. And that's one of the things that I think has added value to our lives and continuing to go back and being involved mm-hmm. in Haiti for so many years is we have as much as we could, we've immersed ourselves in the culture and learned the people and not just the, the Haitian culture in general, but the village that we're in. Uh, again, we talked about the fact that things are different in different parts of Haiti. And so really allowing yourself to experience and learn from the people that you are, are there with and serving and working with every day is, is very important. How does someone do that in just a week or two time with, with, if you're going with a group of people and leaders who are above you, who have, you know, there's constraints and confines of the trip rules. How does one do that within such a short amount of time? Is that even possible? It is. It's possible to an extent. Mm -hmm. And I think a big part of it is remaining open and flexible and receptive to input is a big mm, part of it. Mm-hmm. Again, a lot of it has to do with mindset. You know, if we are going with the idea that we are going to change somebody's life or we are going to make an impact or influence, right. that's that's not the right mindset. No. So go with the mindset of how can I learn from these people? What can I yep. uh, receive from them in order to better enable me to give back? Yeah. And and that listen. can Yeah, listen. That can be done in a week's time. Uh, again, hopefully, if you're going on a short-term trip, you're going with leaders or people who have made trips to that culture before. Uh, 
right. or you're at least going with somebody who has has been you know doing this for a while and has you know been to other cultures and, and recognizes and realizes that that idea of being receptive of being flexible and things like that um, that was a big big part of our experience is um, that Bob who took us mm-hmm. very much focused on you know being flexible and you know that things can change and be open and be receptive and yeah. um, don't go with you know, a lot of preconceived ideas. Yeah. That, that you're going to fix something that you've got these grand ideas. I remember in the first group meeting that we had before I ever went to Haiti, there was about 10, 10 of us, mostly men. And he said to all of us, be flexible. If your bags don't make it and you don't have clothes, you don't have your favorite shampoo with you. You don't have your oils with you. It's okay. The world will the world will keep going. Be flexible, and that always stuck with me. And it's hard. It's hard for me, who's type A uh, and a perfectionist, to to do that. But it has really, really helped. It's possible. It's definitely possible. And so, so yeah, that is a do is uh, be flexible. Mm-hmm. I think something else to keep in mind too is, you know. A lot of these times you're going into uh, another country, it can be very, very difficult. It's challenging to our way of living. No running water, no electricity. It's hot, those types of things. And keep in mind that really, for the most part, you can do anything for a week. Oh, for sure. Not anything, anything. But you can get through those conditions for a week. You You can get through a week of not sleeping very well because it's so hot. You can get through a week of, uh, you know, drinking warm water. Yeah. You can get through a week of eating nothing but beans and rice and mm-hmm. no variety. Uh, you can do it. It's not easy. It's challenging to who you are, but you can do it. You will survive. Side note, sometimes privately between us and the listener, <laughs> um, sometimes, you know, our first couple years in Haiti, we were there for six months at a time. And so we would have these groups come for a week at a time with just some maybe not the best attitudes or like demanding, where is this? Where's my towel? Where's, you know, cause you know, we're all staying at a, a hotel, a functioning hotel, but it is in Haiti. And sometimes us long-termers who live there, we would just kind of like laugh inside, like you're here a week. You can, of course we can't say that, but you can handle it. You can handle it for a week. We're staying here longer than you are without the, the amenities you can manage for a week, you yeah. know? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and then the last thing that I wanted to share in terms of, um, you know, preparing, if you are going to go on a short, short-term trip, what you can do to prepare, um, is, and, and I think we've talked about this before too, is like, there's always going to be needs, like physical needs mm-hmm. in places that you go. Um, but, the stuff that you take to to meet those needs, let it be quality. Let it be um, something that you would use, something that you would want to receive. And um, you know, again, I th- we talked about don't bring junk. You know, mm-hmm. and and even to some extent, like I've seen, and and I've done this. Like as teams leave, um, you know, leaving the clothes that they were wearing or the shoes that they were wearing and literally giving the clothes off of their back. And there's nothing wrong with that. But think of it 
from the perspective of would you want to receive that? And, and we think about it sometimes of, oh, well, these people don't have anything or they have very little. And so anything that we give them, they will be grateful for, which to some extent may be true, but not always. Can I jump in? Yeah. There was, there's the video circulating around, um, and this happened just in August. I think it was in New York or Chicago, and it was just like a 10-second clip of this man was jogging on the streets, and he saw a homeless man sitting on the ground. And he took, took off his shoes and gave them to him. And the homeless man's back is to the camera, so you can't see his, his reaction. But I wonder, like everybody's applauding this, this older gentleman jogger for doing this. And it's wonderful. I love the heart and the generosity. And everybody's has a different personality in terms of receiving things. And I think about how I would respond if I were in that situation. The, the brat in me would kind of be like, I don't want your sweaty tennis shoes that you've just been sweating in. Like, I, you know, and then there's the side that goes, well, yes, if I were had nothing, I, sh you know, it, it's very subjective. And so be open to maybe not the way that you would think about it or the way that you think someone will appreciate it because everybody's different. And some people, they would love to have used shoes because they don't have any shoes. But for others, it, it's kind of, it's almost like a, an extra jab, like you are in this position in life of you don't have a lot, you are poor, and I'm just going to give you some used thing. It's almost like a reminder, like, yeah, secondhand, not, not worthy for the good stuff. Yeah, it's almost like just a reminder to them. And I say that not as um, a guess. But after having conversations with some people, that's how they view it. And so just be open to, to other people's different interpretations than your own. And again, not the pat on the back, but, but how someone else might receive something. Yeah. And you did an episode a while back called Giving Your Best. Oh, yeah, I did. And, <laughs> and that addresses that a little bit more. So if you haven't heard that, maybe go back and listen to it. Um, and you know, it is, it obviously it's a, it's a matter of the heart, but, but really I would encourage you to come at it from the perspective of, uh, if you were in the position of receiving, yeah. how would, how would you view that? How would you take that? And you can get into the, you know, the minutia of, well, you know, you should be grateful for whatever you get and there's an entitlement mentality, but, um, but even outside of that. Like if you if you're not gonna give your best, maybe it's not not worth giving. Yeah. Because of of your heart. Yeah. The other thing too I would add is to be intuitively led. Yeah. Don't be sure. emotionally led. Be spirit led. Be mm -hmm. led by your intuition on on what to give, what not to give. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Can I switch gears a little bit and yes. talk about? what you can do coming back from a missions trip okay. or a service trip. I got a great question from Lauren, Miss Lauren, who has been to Africa a couple times. And she said, can you talk about the mental health and the trauma and love and light and all those crazy emotions we experience after coming home from missions? Will you talk about how you, f how you heal your mind and put it to ease? 
And what a great, great question. We have, having gone back and forth and returned many times, I feel very comfortable and confident answering this question from our perspective because it is a shift. It is like reverse culture shock almost. You come back to your culture that you were born in and personally for me, there's been attitudes that creep up of anger. You know, I've just come back from burying a child and I'm standing in Starbucks the next day and someone's pissed that their drink is five minutes late and that evokes a very strong response in me of, are you freaking kidding me? You, you have no idea. You like calm down. Right. And then someone Mm -hmm. needs to tell me to calm down because I'm all worked up. So it, you know, the, the trauma of, of uh, being exposed to seeing how the world, most of the, a lot of the world lives, it is traumatic and it can manifest itself in many different ways. When someone comes back to America, um, you know, they can be on the couch for two weeks, mm-hmm. fully depressed. Um, sickness can come in when your body is hanging on to trauma. It manifests itself physically for sure. Um, withdrawal. Uh, nobody understands me. Um, I don't fit in. You know, all of those types of things can happen after just a week exposure in another country. So, you know, we definitely have had some experience with this. And I'll let you share your your perspective so I'll share, after our first uh, six months, when we were, you know, did our first half a year in Haiti, coming back, uh, my, my first experience coming back for, in, in working uh, was, oh, I, that's right. I was on a job um, doing audiovisual installation, that's, that's my background, that's what I do, uh, for a, a mega church in our area, and they had purchased a new building and we're, you know, getting it outfitted to, to be a church. And I spent the, f- the first three weeks back in America, um, putting in, you know, probably half a million dollars worth of audiovisual equipment into this multi-million dollar renovation. Mm-hmm. And, you know, this, this church did things relatively frugally in mm-hmm. comparison, like they were reusing a lot of equipment they were they were doing their best to be financially responsible but from my perspective coming into you know a multi-million dollar building in which people just would gather once a week um and you know do their little christian thing yeah um and comparing that to what would those millions of dollars do in haiti yeah um i was i was really bitter and angry. I was angry at the the church, the American church in general, um, for several months. And there were other jobs and projects after that that I did that were even, uh, in my mind and from my perspective, uh, even more extravagant in the spending of money that could have gone to other things. And that was me being very judgmental. I will admit yeah. that. Yeah. Um, but it took me a long time to work through that. I probably almost another six months before we left to go back to Haiti. Uh, And even returning from that trip, there was still some working through it. So any particular tools for the listener on how you work through it and how to, once you have a judgment or that kind of creeps in, how to resolve it quickly and try your best to stay out of judgment. 
Um, for me, the process really was talking about it and not just like not blabbing or, okay. or gossiping or anything, but you know, trusted friends that yeah. I know knew me mm-hmm. and know my heart and also, you know, know kind of the way that the church in America and, and things work. Um, but they let me talk and vent and get it out. And that's a, that's a big thing just in, in dealing with any trauma is the ability and the opportunity to just talk about it Yeah. to getting it out. Like there, there's a literal, that literal getting it out of you by just talking about it rather than holding it in yeah. makes a huge difference. And sometimes you got to do it multiple times. Um, you know, really I did hold it in for several months. That's why I got angry and bitter is because I held it in and was just like, just frustrated and mad. But as I started talking about it and, and really kind of releasing that, yeah. um, and, and allowing myself to see from different perspectives, see too that like, okay, this wasn't the only thing this church was spending money on. Right. Like they were giving to yeah. missions and to, to local efforts and things like that. And not looking at it through just that one lens, um, that, that allowed me to, to heal and to overcome and figure it out and, yeah. and work through it. And it was also uh, difficult because of the the diabolical, like we were, that was pain that we were getting paid from this job. Mm-hmm. It was sustaining us while we were here. Mm-hmm. So we were reaping the benefits of something that we didn't agree with. Yeah, And that was hard to reconcile too. Mm-hmm. Uh, sure. The other thing I would suggest on the the uh, extreme end of things is actually to not vomit the story so much, yeah. and don't let that don't don't repeat the negativity and negative stories over and over and over again, um, and hold on to that and let that become your identity of I don't fit in. This isn't my place. Um, it's like you're vomiting on new people all over again. And that can be a problem too. Mm-hmm. And then who's ever going to want to be around you? And then you're even more isolated. Um, you know, you were born where you're born. We yeah. can't choose that. And so you have to, you know, allow, of course, some time to vent and get angry and process with trusted people. But don't do it forever. Don't hold on to it and make that your identity. Because th- that then you're of no use either. Yeah. Absolutely. It's good. Yeah. It's very true. Yeah. Anything else that you've done to help you adjust back? Uh, a big, a big part of it for me is, um, again, kind of tying off of, you know, we can't change where we were born and I have to release and let go of other people's, um, perspectives and, and viewpoints on life. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I, I was looking and, and judging the way that people or organizations were living and existing, but but it was because they were operating in their limited viewpoint, I guess you could say. And not that I had any more enlightened, but we have experiences that other people haven't had. Yeah. And I can't judge somebody because they haven't had that experience. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So... I, I was doing that, but that's not right. Yeah. Um, and so, so I think that's a big part of it is when you, when you do come back and as we've, you know, kind of tried to talk and coach other people through that and you come back, um, you do your best. It's difficult, but you got to work through it, but you can't really judge other people, uh, who haven't had the same experience as you. 
because in, in and that goes for anything, not just you know going and experiencing yeah. another culture, but if you're judging somebody um, based on your experience, that's that's not beneficial to no, anybody. No, there there's no comparison. Right. The, we shouldn't compare the things that that I've seen over in Haiti, the things that you've seen that we wish we could unsee. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that's on us, that, that stays with us. That's part of our journey. That's the path we've chosen. Mm -hmm. And I can't get upset with someone that hasn't seen the things that we've seen and experienced. Um, and then just call them selfish, unaware, blah, blah, blah. And stay in that. That's a really good point toss. Yeah. I think for me, our first six months, uh, the day that we left was, was probably pretty difficult. I think because at our first six months there, we're we're doing our best. We're in the in the lives of the people. We're building relationships with the the people in the village, our our orphanage kids, and you never really know fully uh, what an impact you've made until it's time to say goodbye. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that that day. We said goodbye to the two places where we, we live at a, a hotel when we're there and we live amongst all the workers that live in the village. So there's waiters, there's cooks, there's, you know, people doing the laundry. And, you know, like I said earlier in an earlier podcast, I had a hard time with that the first, you know, couple years we were there because it's like, wait, no, I came to do the serving and they're serving us. Right. But praise God, they have jobs. It's a good thing. Mm-hmm. Right. It took me a while to, to reconcile that. So we've got that group of people that we said goodbye to. And then we've got the orphanage and the nannies and the teen girls. And, you know, we've seen people come and go a lot and the goodbyes. And that day, we, we put all of our bags out. And one by one, the workers just gathered. They just gathered by the van that we were at. And they just sat there and waited they didn't really say anything. They just sat there. And it was this, to my knowledge, this has never happened with any other group of pr- people or team or long-termer. They all congregated and and said goodbye mm-hmm. and cried. And then we went to the orphanage and we had, you know, 8, 10, 12-year-old boys, 14-year-old boys sobbing on the floor, sobbing in our laps that we were leaving. Mm-hmm. And that was like, that was really, I, we had no idea. We had no idea that, that, that the relationship was that meaningful until we left. Yeah. And so I remember the four of us, we landed in Florida that day and we, you know, it spent six months in American food and yay and all this stuff. And none of us wanted to eat. We were all just so depressed and mopey and we couldn't even talk. We were so sad. Mm-hmm. And so that kind of kicked off the the back and forth. And it's been several years now of us doing this back and forth. And for me, you know, it manifested in um, staying in bed for a while. I would, I would be in bed for like a week or two, um, just laying low because I was so depressed. I didn't want to be here. Nobody understood me. My family doesn't get me, even though they've been there a few times. But it's... it's it doesn't compare a week doesn't compare to several months right mm-hmm. and so you know and then there was a shift there was a turning point when i i used um essential oil called elevation it's a blend for depression and that really helped emotionally 
get me out of bed and, and snap me out of this to where, okay, no, I'm here in the States. I don't want to be not useful while I'm here. What can I do while I'm here? Mm-hmm. How can I be present here? And, you know, counseling helps for sure. Um, I think it's very important for someone who's on the mission field long term to have a therapist and, you know, self-care rituals for sure. Um, quiet time, time to yourself, time with trusted friends. And, and also, I don't want to contribute to the negativity in this world. There is so much negativity mm-hmm. already and so much chaos that I don't want to contribute to it. I would rather rise and use my time well. And so that's what I've chosen to do. And some people can stay in the, you know, woe is me, I'm stuck, I'm blah, blah, blah. And, and there is a time and a place for that. But if you want to be useful in this world, you have to work through it. Yeah. Yeah. And you got to put the work in. Yeah. It's, it's, a, it's, it's hard, but it's important in anything. Yeah. You got to put the work in. Um, I, as you were, you were relaying that from leaving our first time, something that a shift that I think has happened a little bit, you know, because we come and go, um, every time or we come and go several times a year now to Haiti, we aren't experiencing that same, everybody kind of congregating and, and crying and, you know, things like that. But it's because they know that we'll be back. Yeah. And that yeah. first time, I don't think they really realize that. You know, yeah. they they get used to people coming and going, uh, again, just for a week, right? Yeah. And uh, and so, I I think maybe there was this thought or expectation that we were leaving and not coming back. Uh, you know, we'd put in our time and and we're not going to come back, even though we said we were. Mm-hmm. Um, but until we proved it, yeah, and we did come back. Uh, there's an understanding now, and and the first question I'm asked every time we get to Haiti now is, how long are you staying? How long are you staying? And then, you know, I can tell I have them, an iPad? Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, no, and then, you cannot have an right. iPad. <laughs> uh, and then you know we'll tell them, okay, you know this is our plan to stay this long. Okay, when are you coming back? Right. And they so want to know. They want to know exactly. And comfort. And it doesn't matter how long it is. Oh, I'm only staying for a week. Oh, that's not very long. No, I know. Well, when you be back, I should be back, you know, in another month or three months. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, they know, they understand. And that's kind of the, the, where we've gotten to is we, we will always go back. And I believe, I hope everybody knows and trusts that we will always come back. Well, let me share. I'll, I'll share this briefly. I think this, this particular past, we just got back from Haiti last week Mm -hmm. and it was, it was a rough Round we left, we had to evacuate, um, you know, because of unrest. And one of my closest friends, um, he looked at me, he's in the village, and he said, Sheena, this is what, your third or fourth time having to deal with this type of situation, violence, unrest, you know, just, just some safety issues. And he said it with tears in his eyes. And he said, Sheena, you need to leave. You need to leave and never come back. And that was really hard for him to say. I know for him to say and for me me to hear uh, because I, Toss and I both have a very, very strong relationship with this man and his family. 
and there's a lot of trust there. There's a lot of equity, a relational equity, and he um, he is very protective of our family. He has a wife and children, but he's you know he goes when you're here, I'm here for you. And uh, there was one night that things were pretty bad, and you know our girls were crying, and we weren't quite sure what was going to happen that night. We we I don't scare easily, but there was one night where we were all pretty scared and he grabbed a chair he parked it outside of our room and he said machina go inside you get some rest i will stay out here all night and i will stay awake so that you can get some sleep and that is the type of people that toss and i and our family could never ever turn our back on so even though he said that, and he said, Sheena, leave and don't come back. Um, you know, we will always go back even after this last round. Mm -hmm. And newsflash, most of our friends and family and any American doesn't understand that. Nope. And that's okay. The other thing that you need to make peace with is that you will be misunderstood and that is one area that I can attest to for, gosh, the last 10 years of my life. Um, you know, as you grow and shift and evolve and you're thinking about the world and theology and God and your belief system and, and everything that you were raised, right? As you continue to evolve, you may be misunderstood. Mm -hmm. And when you immerse yourself in another culture and you start to kind of, I, I, I'm obviously, we're not Haitian, Right. But we've taken on some of their culture, for sure. And so, so yeah, you are going to be misunderstood, and you have to make peace with that if you want to live in peace while you're in your home state. You're resting, you know, the place you were born, wherever. If you want to be at peace with those around you, you've got to figure out a way how to make peace. And it's hard work. It's hard work. Things come up. People say, you know, comments that are insensitive or that they just don't they're just ignorant yeah. they ju it's just out of ignorance and you have to choose to rise and not in a i'm better than you i've seen the world i've seen more of the world than you you don't know you stupid idiot right <laughs> it's not in that way we rise but in a way of um it's okay mm -hmm. i've seen different things and this is where i'm at and yeah, that that's how we that's how we deal. And it's it's continual, guys. It, it continues to come up. You know, people continue to say insensitive things to me, and that's okay. Bless and release. Bless and release, people. Because uh, if you hold on to it, um, it's only going to affect you. It's only going to affect your physical body, your mental state, your dreams, your sleep. You know, so bless and release. And it affects your ability to, to do what you know you're called to do. Yeah. So it does yep. it does affect and impact that too. Um, I think we we covered it for the most part. Yeah. You know the the main thing is you you got to process and work through and put in the work. Mm -hmm. um, you know find somebody that you can trust. If you can find somebody who's had similar experiences, like we were talking about, yeah. if, if somebody hasn't experienced what you are experiencing, uh, it's difficult to yeah. 
to relay that to them and it's difficult for you to process without vomiting yeah all over them yep and one thing i have a best friend i interviewed her on the first she was my first interview podcast um under gay christians right is that what it's called yeah because she's a gay christian and um for years she would hear my messages and voxes about haiti and and you know, she was a great listening ear, but ear, but she couldn't quite get it until I brought her down. I yeah. said, Dre, that's enough. You're coming to you got you gotta come down and experience it. And after that, after just those four or five days, she gets it in a way that you just couldn't before. So if there is someone who who has traveled, who has a similar, you know, experience, talk with them. Yeah. 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 It's huge. And we we talk with and and help process through our friends that are there currently oh for and sure going through stuff yeah. like we have ongoing conversations and dialogues and voxes uh probably daily for you yeah for me it's not as often but um you know walking through stuff because they know that they can share with us and we get it mm-hmm. and so uh, and vice versa we share things with them yep uh, because we know that they get it yeah find your circle yeah. My circle has changed so much in the last 10 years, even the last five years. You know, if we were to get remarried or re- renew our vows, I, I would, uh, there would be different people standing up there with us. Mm-hmm. Some the same, some the same, yeah. but, but some different, yeah. you know? So we'll save our, our marriage podcast for another, another podcast. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I hope this was helpful for you guys in, in those who are traveling, who do service trips and we thank you for listening. Yeah. And also, if, if you have any questions, additional questions that come up from this, please send them in. We would love to continue addressing uh, questions about service trips, about Haiti. Um, yeah. Send them to Sheena. Thanks. You're welcome. <laughs> we have an email for that. I don't remember we do. what it is. It's very, very, what is it? <laughs> I think it's podcast at SheenaSouza.com. No, it's Verite. Verite podcast at SheenaSouza.com. Verite podcast at SheenaSouza.com if you feel like you want to send some questions. Anyways, thank you guys for listening.